Today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. Give us ears to hear your truth, and eyes to see the needs around us as we draw close to you. May we thirst for the water that your love brings us. Open our hearts, change us from within by the open word. You see, our lives were never meant to be a void. They cannot be. Jesus says, you're either for me or you're against me. One of two choices. And the thing is that there's a similar problem even for you and I as believers. Even with Christ in our lives, we we face issues that we need to be cognizant of. We need to understand that unless we are growing in Christ, beloved, we can't be shifted into neutral. We cannot coast. Because the moment we start coasting, the enemy of our souls is going to come in and start oppressing, stressing, distracting, and yes, even destroying our lives. Our relationship with God is more black and white than we'd like to think. As Pastor David explains in today's teaching, when we coast through life, we inadvertently partner with the enemy. If we allow the flesh to take control by living for ourselves, we will give up too much ground when we should be powerfully advancing the kingdom of God. The enemy loves it when we sit back and rest on our eternal assurance. Unless we are growing in Christ, we will surely be ripped off by the enemy of our souls. Now here's Pastor David with part two of today's message entitled, A Determined Blindness. Religious rulers, these exorcists of the day, is that how they're doing their trade or how they're doing their ministry? Jesus kind of puts the situation back on these religious rulers. And once again, Jesus moves forcibly to the offense. He's coming against them. And these Pharisees now, these religious rulers, they now need to drop back to a defensive position, and they have absolutely nothing to stand on. And Jesus continues on with his reasoning, again, to refute that foolishness of what they said. He tells him in verse 20, if I cast out demons with the finger of God, surely the kingdom of God has come upon you. The way I look at this is he's telling them, in essence, I'm certainly not defeating the hold of the enemy by the enemy's own power. So I must be doing it by the power of God. And therefore, you need to realize that the kingdom of God is what's in action here, and you're totally missing it. By not seeing and believing and understanding that it was God that was in action among them, they were missing the move and the power and the authority of God that was right there evident before them. They weren't giving glory to God for the work of God, and so they're missing the power of God in their lives and in the events that were going on. There's none so deaf as he who will not hear. There's none so blind as he who will not see. God's active and in motion all around us, and I believe every day of our lives. Are you willing, and, and do you in your own life, give God the glory for the events that you see going on? Or do we sometimes take the glory ourselves or we say, oh, well, it was just the circumstance that was going on? 
You know, if you truly believe in the fullness of the sovereignty of God within your life, you need to understand that God is in control of your life. Every good and perfect gift, what? Comes from the Father of heaven, in heaven. That, that's the reality and the truth of the Scripture. Jesus now goes on to give them a lesson in spiritual warfare. Look with me in verse 21. Verse 21, he speaks, when, it, when a strong man, fully armed, guards his own palace... His goods are in place. But when a stronger than he comes upon him and overcomes him, he takes from him all of his armor in which he trusted and divides his spoils. The illustration's pretty clear here. The strong man, that, that initial strong man that he speaks of, that's the devil, Satan himself. He's fully armed. He's, he, he's, he's a powerful force to be reckoned with. And don't think too lightly, gang, of the enemy of your souls. I think one of, the, one of the great dangers in Christianity today is for us to think too lightly of the power of Satan in the world. Not only in the world, but yes, even in his attacks on you and I as a believer. The disciples had a lot of firsthand experience and they knew the power of the evil one. We see over and over again warnings and cautions throughout the word of God of taking the devil too lightly. Jesus, in, in speaking to his disciples, speaking again of the devil, he warns us that he comes to steal and what? To kill and to destroy. I mean, don't doubt that one moment. Not only in the non-believers' lives, but what he wants to do in your lives, even as believers. Jesus, remember, warned Simon Peter. He said, Simon, oh, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan has desired to have you and to sift you like wheat. Can he sift us today, even as believers? I believe that he can. Oh, I don't believe that he can possess us. We are possessed. We are bought with the price of the blood of the Lamb. He cannot possess us. We have already been bought. But I believe that he can come and he can distress us. And he can impact and affect us in many ways. Peter, speaking, I believe, out of experience himself, when he writes in 1 Peter, he says, you know what? You and I as believers, we need to be sober. We need to be vigilant. Because the adversary, our adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. You realize the enemy of your soul is looking for opportunity to destroy you, to pull you down, to impact uh, the, the, the effect of your life and the effect of your testimony to the world around you. Even Jude explains, and as he's writing about the intensity of the battle between Michael the archangel and the devil, he writes, yet Michael the archangel in contending with the devil dared not bring a reviling accusation against him, but he said, the Lord rebuke you. Jude understood. There's power there. There's intensity there. He's known as the prince of demons. He's known as the prince of this world, the god of this age, the prince of the power of the air, the ruler of the darkness of this age. And though we need to be careful, cautious, and aware of the strength of the evil one, and I don't want to lessen that, but I also want to let you know that we also need to fully understand greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. 
And with the balance and the understanding, you, we also need to know this isn't the, the yin and yang, the, uh, the, the dark side and the light side, and they're both equal forces. No, our God is greater than all the forces that Satan could ever muster up. I understand that totally. But I don't want to lessen the reality of the power and the impact of Satan in the world today. Hal Lindsey, back in the 70s, wrote the book, Satan is Alive and Well on Planet Earth. And the reality and the truth is he is still is alive and well on the planet Earth. And when Jesus speaks about that one, that's who he's speaking about, Satan. But then he goes on to say that one stronger And that is our Lord Jesus. And he says when that one stronger comes in, he comes upon him and he overcomes him. And he takes from him all of the armor which he trusted and divides his spoils. In other words, Jesus comes to what Satan has and he overcomes and he overcame Satan at the cross, gang. That was the victory of Christ and it was sealed and delivered on the day of his resurrection complete and total. Jesus makes it very clear at this point that he is and always will be stronger than Satan. And when he comes against the devil, he overcomes him thoroughly. He defeats him. Satan is a defeated foe. Then, Pastor, why do we have to worry about him if he's a defeated foe? It's because what we open up to him, even as the defeated foe, what we allow him to do within our lives... You see, Jesus comes and he strips him, as he says, he stripped him of his armor. Jesus removes Satan's authority and his power against believers. And the only power and authority that he has in our lives right now is that power and authority that we allow him to have in our lives. When we, again, walk away from the strength and the power of the Lord, we allow the power and the authority of Satan to come back and begin affecting and impacting our lives. Jesus says here, when that stronger one comes in, he divides his spoils. In other words, Jesus takes back that life that Satan had control over. Before you and I came to Christ, before we made a commitment of our lives to Christ, we were under his control. You might say, well, no, I was never a Satan worshiper. By default, you actually were. Because there's only one of two. Either you're trusting your life into the care of God Almighty through faith in Christ, or you're allowing the enemy of your souls to direct and control your life. Verse 23 says, he who is not with me is against me. He who does not gather with me scatters. You see, Jesus won't let you and I to be on neutral ground. There's one or two sides we need to be on. I I love what David Guzik says about this. He says, in this case, to be undecided is to be decided. If you've not decided to follow Jesus then you have decided to follow self, and by default, self is controlled and led by the evil one. Guzzi goes on to say there's no neutral ground. We're, We're either with Jesus or we're against him, and that's the very words of Christ himself. There's no luxury of a guarded neutrality. And here we see that Jesus then draws attention back to those that were practicing that exorcism, yet not really filling men's lives with any kind of a lasting answer to the issues of life. They, they were driving out these demonic spirits, and yet they weren't giving them the Spirit of God to fill their lives. Listen to what it says in verse 24. 
In verse 24, he says, when an unclean spirit goes out of a man, he goes through dry places seeking rest and finding none. He says, well, I'll return to my house from which I came. And when he comes, he finds it swept and put in order. And then he goes and he takes with him seven other spirits more wicked than himself, and they enter and dwell there. And the last state of that man is worse than the first. What a horrible situation to be in. To have been freed from one evil, only now to be opened up to an evil seven times worse. There's a lot of good programs in the world. There definitely are a lot of good programs in the world that help people with a variety of struggles and addictions that they have in life. There's a variety of self-help programs. They can assist these individuals dealing with the uh, addictions or personal struggles of all kinds. The problem is to simply rid a person of one evil doesn't do any permanent good. It only makes room for additional and perhaps even worse evils unless the Spirit and the goodness of God fills that void. When we send people to Jim and and or for counseling, man, they're giving them the Word of God. They're giving them the Spirit of God. They're not going to work to try and fix something unless it's filled with the reality and the truth of God in your lives. We need to understand, even as Oswald Chambers states, he says, neutrality in religion is always cowardice. God turns the cowardice of a desired neutrality into terror. In other words, you, you, you want to be free of one thing, but you don't want to commit to God? You open yourself up to all kinds of issues at that point in time. You, you want to try and be good in this world without the power of God in your life. There's all kinds of things that you open yourself up. For someone to try and get their life straightened out without surrendering their life to Jesus Christ puts them into a similar position as Amos declares back in the Old Testament. He says, it would be as though a man fled from a lion and a bear met him. We run from one thing right into another. Or as Amos goes on to say, it's as though he went into the house thinking he's safe and he leans his hand against the wall and a serpent bites him. You see, our lives were never meant to be a void. They cannot be. Jesus says, you're either for me or you're against me. One of two choices. And the thing is that there's a similar problem even for you and I as believers. Even with Christ in our lives, we we face issues that we need to be cognizant of. We need to understand that unless we are growing in Christ, Beloved, we can't be shifted into neutral. We cannot coast because the moment we start coasting, the enemy of our souls is going to come in and start oppressing, stressing, distracting, and yes, even destroying our lives. That's why Paul warns us. He warns in Ephesians chapter 4 and 5 a couple of different ways. He says there's this continual need for each one of us to walk carefully and not grieve the Holy Spirit but rather continually be being filled with the Holy Spirit of God. To continually be being filled. And some might say, well, pastor, I thought when I came as a Christian that the Holy Spirit came into my life to never leave me. He is that seal, he's that promise of God that's there. And I would have to agree with you 100%. If you know Christ as your Savior, the Holy Spirit, again, is that evidence that you are born again. The problem is, is, We're not always filled with the Spirit, are we? 
I've said in the past, the reason we need to continually be being filled with the Spirit is because we leak. You know, (laughs) we we leak throughout the week. You know, issues come, and man, the the world and, and the battle and the flesh and these things, it just drains us down. Now, understand, again, it's not that we lose the Holy Spirit. That's not what I'm saying, because you will not lose him. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. He's the promise. He's the down payment. I understand all these things. But the power, the power and the authority of the Holy Spirit in our lives, leading our lives, giving us within our lives that power to be able to live our lives for the glory of Christ, to be a strong witness, to be a strong testimony, to stand against the attack of the enemy. Beloved, that is always there. If we're not walking carefully, guarding our lives to make sure that we're not grieving the Holy Spirit, if we're not being filled on a continual basis with the Holy Spirit, uh, there's going to be a void in our lives. And the enemy's going to take opportunity to fill that void and to draw us towards sin. And even as believers, when we don't take the opportunity to fill our lives with the Holy Spirit, we're allowing the enemy of our souls room within our lives to distract us from the focus of Christ in our lives. No, Satan can't possess us, but he can definitely distress us. In the midst of our disobedience, we grieve the Holy Spirit. How do we grieve the Holy Spirit? By allowing sin to have its way in our lives. How do we grieve the Holy Spirit? By allowing our old nature to rise up from the dead to retake control of our attitudes and our actions, you know, those thoughts and deeds of our lives. We grieve the Holy Spirit by loving this world and the things of this world more than we love Christ. We grieve the Holy Spirit by opposing or at least not obeying the direction of the Spirit in our lives, by shutting off that still, small voice. A couple of weeks ago, we talked about those sins of omission and the sins of commission. The sins of commission are the things that we do that are wrong. The sins of omission are the things that we don't do that we should have done. And in not doing it, it becomes sin. We grieve the Holy Spirit simply by trying to live our lives in neutral concerning the things of God. And our neutrality will become a terror in our lives. When we make those choices in, in, in our lives against the planned purpose and direction that we know of Christ in our lives and of what the Spirit of God is leading in our lives, we grieve the Holy Spirit of God and we open up ourselves to the trickery and the deceit of the enemy. And as Jesus spoke, some heard and some were deaf. Some received those teachings of the kingdom of God. Their lives were changed. Others half-heartedly heard, they agreed, but no change took place in their lives. And then others, they just wholeheartedly rejected what he said. Some of those that heard, they received, they were blessed by his teaching. We read in verse 27, and it happened as he spoke these things, that a certain woman from the crowd raised her voice and said, blessed is the womb that bore you and the breasts which nursed you. But Jesus said, more than that, blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. Jesus pretty much lays it right on the line for you and I at this point. 
It's not that you're blessed because you're able to come in and, and hear the Word of God, even though that is a blessing to be able to sit and to hear a clear teaching and understanding of the Word of God, whether it be here or some other place or on the radio or wherever it might be. What a blessing that is to be able to hear and to understand what the Word of God is speaking. But even if we're here among those that are able to hear and fully understand the intent, and to fully understand the application, and even to fully understand the purpose of God, beloved, that's not enough. The blessing comes when we do the Word of God, when it actually becomes a part of our lives. I want to tell you, I, I as a pastor, I grieve over the reality that not just this church, not just our church, but I believe in every church, Men and women and young people come in week after week after week and they hear the teaching and the clarity of the Word of God proclaimed from pulpits like this or in, in home Bible studies or wherever it might be. They come and they hear, they glean from it. They might even applaud it say, oh, that was a great word. That was such an encouraging word. And yet when they leave the building, it has absolutely no impact on their lives. There's none so deaf as he who will not hear. None so blind as he who will not see. Even when we do hear the word in a physical sense, it's not just hearers of the word, but it's doers of the word that are blessed. I want to close with a word from the, from the book of James. James, the half-brother of the Lord, gives it very, very clear to us. In James chapter 1, he says, Be doers of the word, and not hearers only because you deceive yourselves otherwise. I believe and I'm afraid that there's way too many within the church of today that are deceiving themselves. They come in, they have great attendance and great attention perhaps even during the teaching. And yet it doesn't impact their lives for any change. James goes on to say, if anyone is a hearer of the word not a doer, he's like a man that observes his natural face in a mirror for he observes himself, goes away, and he immediately forgets what kind of man he was. You see, the Word of God is there, yes, to show us Christ, but it's also there to show us ourselves. And if we receive the Word, we understand it, we, we, we recognize the intent of it, and then we move out from here and don't let it impact our lives for change. We deceive ourselves. James goes on to say, but he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it and is not a forgetful hearer, but he's a doer of the word. This one is blessed in what he does. How often, week after week, we hear the word of God. We leave blessed because we've heard it. Perhaps maybe it's even touched a soft spot in our heart. Perhaps it's, it's truth is ministered in an area of our life. We, we feel a, a release. We feel a cleansing. We feel an encouragement. And then we leave this place only to allow the cares and the concerns of the world to choke that word out. You remember that parable that Jesus spoke about, those kinds of soil. The word comes out. The cares and concerns of the world literally choke it out. It doesn't become fruitful. Is there a problem with the Word? No. It's a problem with the soil that receives that Word. Open our hearts.
Thanks for joining us for today's edition of The Open Word. David will continue teaching through the Gospel of Luke next time. Now we want to encourage you to become a Facebook friend with us. Log on to theopenword.com. You can also subscribe to The Open Word podcast at theopenword.com or search for The Open Word in the iTunes store. If you're like most people, you probably use a smartphone. Once you subscribe to The Open Word podcast, you'll always have solid Bible teaching available to you anywhere, anytime. So log on to theopenword.com and subscribe to The Open Word Podcast. Again, to become our Facebook friend and to access the archive of messages, log on to theopenword.com. Now here's Tracy with information about how you can help partner with us. We all know it's vitally important to support the local church, the place we call home. But it's also very important to support missionaries. Have you ever considered that The Open Word is a missionary work? It is. We need your support as we share God's Word over the airwaves. Please prayerfully consider financially supporting The Open Word. Go to theopenword.com and click on the support option in the main menu. We invite you to join us again for the next study as David shares insights with us from the Gospel of Luke. That's next time on The Open Word. from we-